Uh, as you would have noticed, we're in the Lord's Prayer today. So how about we start by praying? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have made a way for us to pray to you. Thank you, Lord, that by your grace in Jesus, you have made us right with you. And Lord, we thank you that even though you're really big, you've come close to us in him. And we ask, Lord, as we come to your word, give us understanding. Help us not just to know about you, but actually to know you and grow in our love for you. We do also ask, Lord, uh, as we ask for this forgiveness, uh, that you would help us to forgive one another. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, I have a friend, Yui, who some of you might know. Uh, She lives in Japan. Uh, Yui became a Christian, actually, at the end of last year. It was really really nice. It was exciting, actually, because we got to see her get baptised as well. Uh, but she's uh, back in Japan now, and, you know, I get a few updates here and there. But actually, Emma, my wife, she does a Bible study with her online. And they do that um, just about every week, and I like it because I can just kind of pop my head out. And I can say, hey, Yui, and I get to catch up with her as well. Uh, and last week, as I came out to say hello, uh, they were actually talking about prayer. And I thought, well, that's convenient because uh, we're in the school of prayer at the moment. We're all thinking about prayer. Uh, because Yui became a Christian in Australia, she's only really prayed in English. And so now she's back in Japan. She's going, uh, how do I actually pray? How do I pray? Uh, what language do I use, for starters? What level of respect do I need to show? What's the, what's the vibe of it? Right? And if you're like me, your gut reaction is just to say, go for it. Right. There's, there's no wrong way to pray, just send it up. And in some ways, that's right, isn't it? Because in Christ, we're free to pray openly to our Father. But in some ways, it's not quite right either. Because we read before in our passage twice, Jesus tells us uh, there is actually a wrong way to pray. Verse 5 and verse 7. And then he says, this is how you should pray in verse 9. So there's a little bit more to it than uh, our gut reaction might tell us. And it's important for us to think about uh, because we're always praying. One of the things uh, I really like about our church, and when I first came here, one of the things that really attracted me to it is our prayer. Uh, You would have noticed, if you were here early, there's a group of people before the service, they're praying. Uh, The service leader, when he gets up or she gets up, will pray. Uh, After the kids talk, there's prayer. The prayer obviously prays. Whoever's giving the sermon prays at the start and at the end. The service leader might finish in prayer. And if you're lucky, the music team might slip in a little prayer there as well. Our time together is full of prayer. And so it's important for us actually to think about what Jesus has to say about it. And so to do that, we're going to start off by thinking about how not to pray. How not to pray. Uh, At my growth group, which is just our Bible studies, uh, we used to do prayer last. So you're going to do the Bible study and then afterwards we would pray. And it kind of works how you'd think, right? We share the things we want to pray for and we pick a few people to pray for it uh, and then we'd go for it. Your growth group, it might be similar. And actually, there's nothing wrong with that, right? I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. Uh, 
But sometimes I would slip in a little, just before we kind of bowed ahead, I'd slip in a little, hey, just remember, don't be like the hypocrites. And then we would get into the prayer. And what I meant was, just keep it short. Because by this time, it's like nine o'clock at night, right? And like, even, if, even if the prayers are short, if everyone's praying, we're going to be here for ages. Now, apart from all the stuff that's obviously wrong with that, uh, I don't think that's what Jesus meant when he said, don't be like the hypocrites. And the issue with the hypocrites is they want to look good. Uh, they want to look good in front of everyone else. And you see it there in verse 5. Have a look. They love to pray standing in the synagogue and on the street corners to be seen by others. It's hypocrisy because it looks like they're humbly coming before God, but actually their motivation is pride. They want to be seen by others. They appear to be righteous, but their righteousness is empty. If you read around our passage, actually Jesus is he's slamming them. He's going after the hypocrites. Uh, our Lord's Prayer here is actually part of a hypocrite sandwich. Uh, don't ask me what that tastes like. But what I mean is before our passage and just afterwards, uh, Jesus is warning his hearers about the hypocrites. And it actually sets the tone uh, for the rest of the prayer. Uh, you see what I mean? It's there in verse 2. Have a read. So when you give to the needy, don't announce it with trumpets like the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honoured by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. That's our top piece of bread. And look down in verse 16, just after our passage. When you fast, don't look sombre as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. That's our bottom piece of bread. And right in the middle is our passage, verse 5. And when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Our prayer sits inside a warning about the hypocrites uh, who appear to be righteous and whose reward is the empty praise of men. And I think that actually really helps us as we come to the prayer to set the tone. And actually, if you think about it, um, praying like that is kind of weird. Uh, I reckon it's a little bit like, I don't know if you've seen uh, people getting photos with celebrities before. Uh, it's funny because they're often caught a little bit off guard like you're at the shops and they're in their trackies or whatever. Um, the, funny, the funniest ones are when they get caught really off guard. So when somebody just jumps in, grabs the photo, and then takes off, and you kind of got this blurry photo of their face, like... Uh, it's a little bit weird, though, isn't it? Because that person will actually go home uh, and show their friends or upload it, and they'll have a little tagline, you'll never guess who I ran into at the shops. But how do you feel if you're the celebrity, right? You've just been used. Uh, they didn't want to get to know you, they just wanted people to see that you're in the same place at the same time. And it'd be weird to pray like that, wouldn't it? So we pray uh, in genuine relationship. We actually pray to God, get this, uh, because we like him, right? Because we want to get to know him. We want to grow in our relationship. And so the solution Jesus gives us here, uh, 
uh, actually makes a lot of sense. He says, pray in secret. Uh, underneath every piece of bread in our hypocrite sandwich, there's a little slice of cheese. Uh, every time Jesus talks about the hypocrites, he also talks about the Father who sees in secret. In verse, four, uh, in verse 4, when he talks about giving to the poor, he says, don't be like the hypocrites, instead give in secret. Then your Father who sees what's done in secret will reward you. And when he talks about fasting, verse 18, fast in secret and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And in our passage, verse 6, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. The genuineness of our prayer is in what people don't see. And I actually reckon uh, our problem's a little bit more in this area. The issue we have is probably not that we come to prayer with the wrong motivation. Uh, it's actually more likely that our unseen prayers uh, are unseen, as in they don't exist, right? So God is seeing in secret. Uh, he's just not seeing a whole lot, right? And I said before, our prayer at church... Our public prayer is really good. And actually, public prayer is good. So Jesus is not saying don't ever pray in public. Um, but it makes, us, it makes me wonder, what does our prayer look like when we're not here, when we're in secret? One of the big encouragements here in the Lord's Prayer is that it includes daily bread. And really simply, in verse 11, it just means we pray for what we need, right? daily and it's a great privilege to put these requests before God isn't it it's a privilege that God has won for us by blood by Jesus blood and so you know it's not really enough to just say you got to pray more right because you can always pray more but instead why not take advantage of this privilege uh, to ask for what we need daily and as we do that, actually, we stop ourselves from being hypocrites who say that we know God, but we actually never talk to him. So that's how uh, not to pray like the hypocrites. But Jesus also warns us not to pray like the pagans, the pagans. And the problem they have is uh, they won't shut up. So I did have a moment, actually, as, as I was thinking about today, and I thought, oh, gee, I hope whoever's on prayer doesn't kind of go on for a while. But actually, I don't think that's what Jesus is talking about either. The issue for the pagans is when they pray to God, they're just trying to butter him up, right? Uh, they have this view of God that when they're praying to him, he's going, oh, stop it. No, no it's too much. No, I'm going to blush, right? And if you think about it, just like the hypocrites, that's a really weird way to pray. Um, because God is God. You don't need to butter him up. Where am I? Oh. oh, yeah. <laughs> One of the things I really like about the Lord's Prayer is that it's short. Um, it's not because I like efficiency and it's not because I really want to go home after the Bible study. It's because its shortness actually testifies to who God is. 
uh, that we don't need to say heaps of nice things for him to hear us. And Jesus expresses it really beautifully there in verse 8, doesn't he? Have a look at verse 8. He says, your father knows what you need before you ask him. It's such a lovely verse, isn't it? Actually, if we had a key verse for today, that would be our key verse. Because it recognises perfectly who God is. Uh, That he already knows our thoughts and our hearts. That he's our father. Uh, And he doesn't need to be butted up. And for me, actually, that understanding of God just just cracks open prayer, doesn't it? If he already knows what we're going to pray for, just pray for it, right? And if he's our father, actually, he's going to want to hear from us. Uh, now, I don't think we actually quite have the same problem as the pagans, although we can blabber on a little bit. But sometimes our public prayer makes it hard for people to get on board. Because we use all these uh, super Christian words like uh, propitiation and atonement. Part of the fear around public prayer, particularly I think for new Christians, but actually for anyone, uh, is you're afraid of getting the words wrong. And it is a tricky balance actually, isn't it? Because the last thing we want to do is stop people from praying. But we pray that way because we want to honour God. And the prayer here does it too uh, in verse 9. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Even though I'm pretty sure no one has said hallowed in a conversation for about 150 years, it's a really good word because it expresses God's holiness and his majesty. But the prayer is also just really simple. Give us bread, forgive our debts, deliver us. And actually the most striking thing about it is it's incredibly personal. Our Father, right, in heaven. And so actually it can be difficult to strike that balance between wanting to honour God uh, and wanting to talk simply to him. And I think that's back to our question. Uh, How do we pray? How do we pray? Uh, I mentioned before uh, Yui, our friend in Japan, and I think this is at the heart of her question. Uh, Especially now she's praying in Japanese. Japanese is quite a formal language, especially when you're trying to show someone respect. Um, The kind of language you speak with your boss is entirely different to the language you speak with your friends. Uh, If you've ever heard Japanese spoken before, you'll notice, actually, there's a difference. Partly in what they say, but mostly in their body language. They're kind of... I said before, Japanese people talking to their boss, um, they kind of turn into a robot. They kind of... like that. And, and the benefit is, you know, it's quite formal, it's respectful, but uh, the compromise is it's quite impersonal. But when you talk with your friends, it's really free and casual. But the compromise is, if you use it in the wrong context, it's really disrespectful. So the question for you is, which one actually is God? Is God our boss or is God our friend? And I think we feel that tension a little bit too as we come to God in prayer because God is really big. We noticed it before in verse 9 and 10. His very name is worthy of reverence, hallowed. 
His kingdom and will are over the entire earth and all of the heavens. God is literally indescribable. And yet, Jesus is happy for us simply to call him Father. I don't know if it struck you as you read before. Actually, Father uh, shows up a lot in our passage. Six times Jesus says Father. Ten if you include the sandwich. And that's the way the Lord's Prayer starts, doesn't it? Verse 9, our Father. I actually think, in a way, the prayer here is expressing this strange tension that God is both really big, but at the same time very, very close. God is uh, utterly above me. And at the same time, he's very, very close to me. And so the question is actually, how do we express that in our prayer? And I want to suggest uh, that actually we do both, uh, which is a bit of a cop-out, I understand. But that we lean slightly more, actually, to the personal and even the casual. Because when we speak to God personally as Father, we acknowledge uh, the intimacy that Christ has won for us at the cross. In Jesus... We're children of God, are actually co-heirs with Christ. Jesus took on himself everything that separated us from God. And so what's left is uh, nothing. (laughs) Nothing separates us from him. We're his children made right by Jesus. And once we get that, it totally flavours the rest of prayer, doesn't it? We pray for our Father's kingdom to come. And as his children, we know actually we're a part of it. (laughs) We inherit it with Christ. We pray for our Father's will. And if our Father's kingdom and our Father's will, then actually we want it to come about. And we know that it's good for us because a Father's will is for the good of his children. I really love uh, thinking about this, actually. I find it fascinating because... The more you understand and acknowledge just how big God is, the more you acknowledge and understand just how much Jesus has done in bringing us back together. And the more we do that, the more confidently we pray to God. Oh, it's my spot again. Oh, there you go. Um, I hope you can see that. Uh, the, the, the tricky part, I think, for us is uh, secretly we're still big sinners. Uh, I have this distinct memory as a child of my dad buying me a toy boat. Uh, it was yellow and white, electric. It's the kind of thing you probably find in a $2 store, but I was really excited to get into it. Uh, but dad had said when we got in the car, mate, you just got to wait until we get home before you open it. Well, it just so happened uh, that we had to stop on the way home to get groceries. And as I saw Dad enter into the store, I climbed into the back and I opened it and I loved it. (laughs) Uh, But as I saw Dad coming back out of the shops and as I realised by stuffing it into the packet wasn't actually going to hide anything, uh, I felt really guilty. And so when Dad got to the car, I lied. Um, I actually said, (laughs) it must have come open on its own. (laughs) 
And, and seeing his face drop, you know, <laughs> I still remember it. Sometimes I think actually that's the image we have when we come to God in prayer, especially when we have heavy sin. We open the packet. We did the thing that he told us not to do. And so we can either lie and say maybe it wasn't as bad or more likely actually we just won't pray at all. One of the really hard things about praying for forgiveness is knowing that you'll have to pray for it again. As the words leave your lips, you're thinking, I'm going to need to be back here tomorrow doing the same thing. And it makes that that next line really uh, hit, doesn't it? Lead us not into temptation. But forgiveness is in the prayer in verse 12. And it's in there because we need to pray it continually. At the same time that we pray for our daily bread, we also pray for our forgiveness daily. Uh, And if you notice, actually, forgiveness gets a bit of a bigger run in the rest of the prayer uh, than any of the others um, because it pops up again in verse 14 and 15. It says, for forgiveness. For forgiveness. Uh, If you're used to this prayer, then uh, you might have expected to say, for the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. But actually it says, for, and then Jesus starts talking about uh, forgiving one another. And it's important to notice the word for there, isn't it? Because it actually tells us the purpose. Uh, It's as if Jesus is saying, verse 9, this is how you pray. And then he's got a little arrow down to to the prayer. He's like, that's how you do it. And then here we're noticing there's another arrow that says, because of this. Jesus is saying the reason we pray the Lord's Prayer the way we do is actually because of forgiveness. And have a look at what it says in verse 14 and 15. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. That's really strong, actually, isn't it? If you uh, hear it and you go, ooh, ooh, is there somebody, do I actually need to forgive somebody? Then I think actually it's doing what it's supposed to do. While I don't think Jesus' intention is to make us constantly wonder whether or not we have forgiveness, it doesn't really fit, it does seem like his intention is for us to take sin really seriously. Uh, Sorry, forgiveness really seriously. And it's because Jesus takes forgiveness really seriously. Actually, Jesus is willing to die for it, isn't he? And so forgiveness is the shape of the Lord's Prayer as well. And I think that uh, comes about in a couple of ways. For one, if you're asking for forgiveness but not forgiving people, uh, that's hypocrisy, right? That's what Jesus warned us about at the start of the prayer. And it's also something that's assumed in verse 12. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. But the big reason that forgiveness shapes the Lord's Prayer is actually because everything about what God is doing uh, is coloured by forgiveness. His kingdom, His will, it's coloured by forgiveness and grace. God's kingdom is a kingdom of grace, isn't it? 
And so if his kids are running around and they're doing the opposite, uh, doesn't that just undermine the whole thing? I actually think we misrepresent Christ. And so rightly, uh, Jesus takes forgiveness very seriously. And I reckon there's two big ways, actually, we might miss forgiveness. The first is, actually, you just don't initiate it. So, because that guy did the wrong thing to me, he's got to come to me. And if he comes to me and he says he's sorry, yeah, I'll think about it. The second way we might miss forgiveness is if we do initiate it, we come to it with a whole bunch of expectations. So I'll apologise, but you need to say, I'm really sorry. And if you don't, actually, I'm going to take that forgiveness right back with me. That's not really the forgiveness we're familiar with, is it? The forgiveness we experience is, is not really like that at all. Because God initiates forgiveness with us. Jesus came down to us, didn't he? In fact, actually, God initiates forgiveness so early... He, he won it for us at the cross before any of us were actually born. That's how early he initiates. And he knew not everyone would uh, take it. it. You do need to say sorry, actually. Uh, but even though he knew not everyone would, he still did it. When we do forgiveness like that, we actually paint a really good picture of what God is like and what his kingdom is like. Uh, It's a kingdom of grace and forgiveness. And it's important because our relationships with each other actually need to reflect that forgiveness that we've uh, received. And so, actually, we pray to God and ask him for forgiveness uh, confidently uh, as a community that forgives each other. Uh, And Jesus sets the pace for us in that. Okay. Uh, I hope... That's given you a few thoughts about how you might answer the question, uh, how do I pray? Uh, We've seen that we come to God in genuine relationship. Uh, We pray to God as our Father. And knowing that shapes the rest of prayer, especially as we ask for forgiveness and seek forgiveness with one another. How about we pray now? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you again for your grace. Thank you that you have made a way, not only for us to speak with you, but for us to to know you. And so, Lord, we praise you for that. Lord, give us the wisdom and strength we need to forgive. And Lord, remind us how, how much you've forgiven us. Lord, we do pray as we spend our time together that it would be evident that we're a community that loves each other. And we pray all these things and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.